0: hey what's up everyone welcome to the newest season of 24th and park i'm your host tyrone taylor i'll be joined by two of my friends john olangi and james carter as we discuss all things psg along with all the major storylines across europe thank you for joining us and before we jump into this content man how we doing fellas
1: pretty well man pretty well glad to be here back on this thing again one more time again uh been a chill weekend watching some american football didn't really go well for one of my teams, but, you know, we're not going to talk about that.
2: <laughs> man, it's it's great to be here, you know. Uh, I didn't watch any American football, uh, but we
0: got a lot of European football to get to. Uh, so I'm definitely glad to be here with the fellas. Yeah, let's get into it, man. For sure. And I'm, I'm with you, John. I think uh, as a Giants fan, I was, was let down by Daniel Jones today, but we're not going to get into that. This is not an American football podcast, so <laughs> we're going to keep it strictly European. For sure. So before we you know get into the match reviews and the upcoming UCL game, I think there's really only one place to start. And I think that's just really getting everyone's you know, opinion and thoughts on the recent transfer window. And I think I'll start with John. Just how do you feel about this window? Do you feel this was a success? Do you feel like it was a failure? What are your initial thoughts as you look at, you know, what Leo and, and Nasser did?
1: Yeah, like honestly, man, it was it was what you would call a masterclass. You know, people throw that word around a lot, especially in, in football. But it was it was just brilliant work. Uh, great business. From, um, from Leo and Nasser to to get the the not not just the players that they got it's and we're talking about getting Sergio Ramos and and, and these guys on a free and you're talking about locking down the goalkeeper position for the next however so many years and um, and and adding more depth in the genie one album and then the most important one is getting arguably the best player in the world on a free from the club that's given us so many demons and champions leagues and all this, all this other stuff, man, it's just like, everything came back full circle. And, you know, I feel like everybody kind of tries to get into the, the Mbappe situation and, and, and how, and how that's going, but it's like, don't let that cloud you or distract you from how amazing it is to have all of these players on our, on our team. And it's like, I, I couldn't ask for a better transfer window. Honestly, I'm just like, I'm just trying to think from like in any sport in basketball, like the Lakers, even this year had a really great summer. You look at the talent they brought in, but what PSG did this summer is just, it, it's phenomenal. So salute to salute to to the board for what they did. So I'm, I'm, I'm excited.
0: James, what about you, man? Are you, are you hype about the business that PSG did or, you know, do you feel like we did good business, but there were other areas you wanted to address So, um, I mean, if you would ask
2: me this question right as the transfer window was closing, I would tell you uh, without hesitation that PSG is the greatest show on earth, and y'all need to put respect on the name. Mm -hmm. But as I kind of calm down off the high, and you know, we get to the business at hand, which is the playing of the sport. um, I do think that this was, you know, without a doubt, a phenomenal transfer window. I mean, just putting, you know, Messi on on. On the top of the cake is just you couldn't ask for a better for a better story. Um, I will say that I wish we could have uh, offloaded a few players that we know, you know, will not see minutes. I think we, we, as a club, we kind of joke, and you know, as fans, we we have jokes about like players like Kazawa and all of that. But like at the same time, I do feel like a player like a a Kazawa, like Rafinha, can get substantial minutes at a different club. Uh, But the wages just make it so that other clubs aren't as interested and they're not as fast to jump as some of these players that, that we have that we know we need to uh, get off the books. And so, you know, for all that we did, that was really great. This transfer window, I wish there would have been a little bit more movement um, as it pertains to getting some of these players off the books. So I'm not gonna, (laughs) I'm not going to be a, uh, you know, uh, a sad cloud around uh, all of that we did do, including, you know, keeping Mbappe, because that was a scene. But I I do wish, if I had one knock, it would have been, you know, getting some of these players
0: off the books for sure. I couldn't agree more, to be honest. I think whether it's the three of us, whether it's, you know, the rest of the PSG talk team or just the fan base in general, we all realize the lack or, I guess, inability or lack thereof, in terms of Leo's ability to sell. But when I sit back and look at the holistic picture of the transfer window, I think it's really hard to really knock it too much, right? I think people are talking about this as being one of the best transfer windows in history. When you just speak about it from a business sense, yes, Sergio Ramos is an older player. Messi's not you know, 25 anymore, but he's still Lionel Messi at the end of the day, and I think just the depth, right? Adding Nuno at the end of the transfer window, um, keeping Mbappe, adding Genie. Who else am I forgetting? Um, oh, Donnarumma. Um, and it, that's the crazy part, right? Is that I'm sitting here saying these things, and I'm forgetting names because we signed so many people. Certain people don't like the the Donnarumma signing. I think it's smart business. You're locking down potentially a generational talent and one of the best goalkeepers. At the age of what? He's 24, 25 years old or something like that. And, you know, wait, no, he, he's not even 25, right? He's like, I think he's, he's like 22. Yeah, yeah, I think he's like 22 or 21 or something yeah. like that's That's just nuts. So it was a good window. Um, I'm happy about it. I do think we need to offload some players. But when you guys saw the names, you know, being added and now you sit back, now that the window's closed, it, for you, I'll start with you, James. Who is the most influential signing? I know that Messi is the easy answer, but I no think no. I see it a little bit different in my <laughs> eyes. So I'm, I'm interested to get your guys' take on, you know, when you look at who we brought in, who is going to make the most impact in pushing PSG to the heights that it wants to achieve. Dude. I listen.
2: He wasn't even on my radar. Hey, you China. got your Moroccan flag in your room, bro. You got the Come Moroccan on. flag. Come on, <laughs> man. Come on. That's Hakimi only one answer. Hakimi. Listen, my boy. Build <laughs> a you know, statue in front of the stadium of him. He I've never seen like a player come in just day one and be everything that we needed in that position. You know, obviously props to Florenzi. He did what he could. Um, But I do think that Florenzi showed us the level and quality that we actually needed in that position. And thank God we were able to get Hakimi because it was literally like night and day. Um, just his ability on the ball um, he plays the full 90 with without hesitation and shows up um, you know and i think in, in the last match appeared uh, a bit more mortal for for once and it was still a stellar performance um, just his vision his ability to cross his awareness his physical strength is something that i feel like we needed in that position and then to get someone, like Nuno to also accompany him we'll see what he does he's a little bit younger obviously but I feel like in terms of our fullbacks we finally got what we need um and Bernard is like looking healthy we'll see what he does when he comes back but I wouldn't say like Hakimi thank you man we appreciate you man we appreciate you yeah man no thank, thank
1: you enter too for for fumbling y'all books and you know, I have to offload all these, <laughs> all these players. So we oh, appreciate man. that. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, I, I I would have to agree with with James on that. Like I think right now, maybe you know if you want to project and once we actually see Messi get integrated into p- what Poch wants to do, you know maybe this answer will change. But yeah, for right now, obviously it's gonna have to be Hakimi for for all the reasons that James said, and we've never had a, we've never had Serge Aurier was the closest thing we've ever had. Uh, And probably you can, you can mention Sherry Maxwell back in the day, but you know, in this QSI era, in terms of someone who, who can run up and down the field all match can defend equally as good as he is going forward. And I mean, he's essentially a winger, a right midfielder who just happens to be, to have the, the, the pace and the, and the IQ to, to go back and defend as well. And it's just, this guy's, this guys an, is insane. And like I said, he, he came as advertised and he won the, the, the Scudetto last season with Inter. So his confidence is just like through the roof. So like, I'm, I'm super excited about him. And I think he's going to, he's going to change a lot of what we do and how we attack because of how dynamic he is. I would also I also want to mention that Donnarumma just from that one match we watched uh, this, this past weekend, I like what I see from him in terms of how influential he can be to the defense. Uh, I feel like there was a more calming presence back there. Like he was way more commanding than, than what I, from what I see from Navas and that's not to knock Navas. And I don't want to get into that whole who I prefer to start. I guess we can talk about that on another day, but just from what I could see, like, there was a calm there. There was a calm presence that, you know, Navas is a great shot stopper, obviously, but Donnarumma just has that commanding presence, and you saw how well Kipembe played, and obviously Marquinhos being back has something to do with that, but there was just a very calming presence. So Donnarumma obviously has the, the ability to be influential in that way as well, but through through and through, yeah, Hakimi is, is the real deal. He's 22. It's scary, bro. He's 22. Yeah. It's, it's, it's scary. It's spooky. And I
0: think I'm definitely in the same boat as you guys. I think Hakimi and Messi are like a 1A and 1B type thing for me. It's hard to look away from Messi because he is Messi, and I think he is going to change the way we attack. But at the same time, you could say that Hakimi does the same thing. Right, He changes the way we yeah. play. It gives us the flexibility to play three at the back. He can play more in the midfield role, higher up the pitch, more as a winger, even if needed. He's definitely been on my radar. If you want to get some of the earlier looks at him at Dortmund, you can go back and watch that game against PSG. He played in that first leg. And if I remember correctly, he had a really good game in Dortmund it. when we lost 2-1. So he's been on my radar for a little bit. Um, very excited to see him play, very excited about the relationship and the chemistry I'm already seeing between him and, and Killian. I think that that's going to be something special to watch. And for me, you know, it's, it's really about consistency, right, right, and health. And I think a lot of people – are going to hear me kind of just beat on that, that fact. I think PSG's biggest thing in the past has been injuries and health issues and last year COVID for certain folks. So if we want to go far in this tournament, you know, specifically the Champions League, I think, you know, we're not too concerned about um, the domestic league. Obviously we want to win it, but I think if everyone's healthy, that should be, if we're being objective and honest, it should be a, a walk in the park. But these new players need time to play with each other, to gel, to build that chemistry. But should be a fun season for sure. The next thing I want to talk about is, you know, I think we kind of addressed just now, like if there were any positions that we didn't address. And I think a lot of, for a lot of us, the answer would have been that left back position, but I feel like because we brought in Nuno at the last minute, a lot of us were happy. I know a lot of fans wanted um, Theo Hernandez. So I'll give you guys the floor if, you know, to let me know if there was anyone that we didn't get or any position specifically that you would have liked to bolster, but you know, one thing I think we need to talk about is, you know, at least in a short, you know, a couple sentences is the whole Mbappe situation. And, you know, do you think the Madrid bid was real, you know, or do you think it was a phantom bid? However, you, you know, feel about it, whether it was real or fake, just where do you stand? What are your, you know, a couple of quick thoughts should we have sold, you know, would you have taken the money? Um, how do you feel about Mbappe staying?
1: Yeah. Um, I, I, I guess for me, like I've 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 already kind of saw the the light at the end of the tunnel in terms of like e- even before this year, even before the 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 saga this summer, like we all knew Mbappe was gonna leave. So like I kind of was already at peace with that. So I'm like, let me just enjoy watching this generational talent while he's with our club. So from that aspect, I wasn't really tripping. But I think from from Real Madrid's standpoint, it was it was clearly. We, we were talking about how, like, is he bluffing? And it, it, it's a it's a game of of the big dogs, right? You got Perez and you got Nasser and who's going to bluff. And from my history of watching, you know, for me just watching Nasser operate and do business in football, he's never been the one to, to bluff. Like, what he says is what he says. And the, the price was set. And at, at the end, we saw that Real Madrid – really didn't even have that money to be quite honest. They just rebuild the burn about and it's like, yo, where where are y'all finding 180 to 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 spend on Mbappe, especially when you can get him on the free the next summer? And that's the part that was just wild to me that I was like, that that makes no sense. And even from a PSG standpoint, it's like, yo, if he's gonna leave, like that, that's fine. Like we got the bread, clearly, but we're not gonna let you try to strong arm us when we know y'all can get it for the free. And I think that was the game that was being played. It was like, who's, you know, who's really the big dog? And it's, it, I, I saw it from that perspective as if Real Madrid was trying to strong arm PSG by getting Mbappe because, you know, he's already came out and said that this is his dream club and all that stuff. So they they were using it as leverage. But yeah, PSG, you know, set set the set, set the standard and said, this is the price that y'all have to pay. But I think they knew they also knew that they were bluffing the whole time because they didn't really have the money. So I'm glad he's staying. I don't think he'll be here after next season, after this season, honestly. So I'm just going to enjoy him while he's here. And we get at least one season with Messi, Neymar, and Mbappe. Like, I'm, I'm totally cool with that.
0: So, James, before you go real quick, and we'll see if we're on the same page. Are we all on the same page that, like, we understand that Mbappe wants to leave. We've always understood that he wanted to play for Real Madrid. We understand the dream to want to play for his team or, or because I know that there are like a large faction of PSG fans. And again, guys, this is like, for us, this is one of the reasons why we wanted to bring a new segment of PSG talk, right? Because while we all love PSG, all PSG fans are different. We all have different views. We all have different things that we want to say. And I know that there are a large portion of the fan base that are like, they can't see why he would want to go to Real Madrid. So, you know, and maybe the three of us don't see the same, but I know, you know, John, you mentioned this. So James, for you too, you know, do you understand his reasoning for wanting to leave or whether we agree with him from a sporting decision or not? For sure. I think if you are
2: the best in the world at what you do, you command the market and you control your own destiny. We've known for years that this was the dream. Um, we can have our feelings and opinions about it. And, you know, say from a logistical standpoint, from a tactical standpoint, from a personnel standpoint, all of the reasons why this doesn't make sense and why should we consider and look what all of the things that we have over here to offer you, none of that matters if you want what you want. And I think for Mbappe, that is the dream. And I think any big dog, any alpha, any guy that's at the top of their game They want to write their ticket and they want to write their story to wherever they want to go, regardless of who's over there. And I think Mbappe is essentially saying, like, I don't give a damn who's over at Real Madrid. I'm going there. Mm -hmm. I'm going I'm there. Now what? And I got to respect that. Um, I think where I get frustrated is like all of the noise that kind of comes in. like you're seeing people saying, oh, PSG are stupid. They should just take the money. What's wrong with them? And to them, I say tick tock. Tick-tack, tick-tack. <laughs> what happened? I, I thought he was gone. He's not. Exactly. Because PSG do not march to the drum or the beat of anybody else's drum. Mm-hmm. And much like John said, we are merely spectators. Like the, the, like the quote says, like all the world's a stage and all the men and women are merely players. We are merely spectators in a power struggle between PSG's top brass and the top brass at Real Madrid. They're playing this game out. And then once it's done, they're going to go have caviar and champagne together and be best of friends while we're down here bickering amongst each other about what team is better. They're Mm -hmm. all friends. And this is all business. And so at the end of the day, uh, Florentino Perez tried to pull a last minute move to throw a number out there in the hopes of moving the public opinion about PSG. The reality is PSG are the dominant force in the league right now when we're talking about Europe. They're the top dogs. Real Madrid is kind of moving around, kind of floundering right now. They're not the the team that they once were. And, you know, Perez is kind of out of step with what's happening right now. It might need some new blood in there. So you could see his tricks a mile away. We knew that they were going to throw out a bid at the last second giving PSG zero time to make any kind of moves or adjustments. And Nasser is friends with Perez. He knows his man. He knows him. He knew exactly what time it was. And so I do think there was an interest in getting Mbappe, but in terms of like how serious they were about that bid, I can't quite say. I do think it's pretty ridiculous to put out, you know, a ridiculous amount of money for a guy that you can get on a free next season so like why not just wait i do think that this was a bit of a power grab to show that real madrid have a bit of control in the market and you can see in the fans they're like oh there goes perez he's putting his balls on the table letting psg knows know what's what and then it didn't go through and then i was looking for all of them on twitter i'm like hold on you got to come back and talk to me (laughs) because i'm I'm, i need quite i need questions i have questions that need answers like what's going on all that being said i again I don't have a problem with Mbappe going anywhere. I would just love for him to be a little bit more vocal. Obviously, he doesn't have to do that because it's his show. I respect that. I just want to see this Neymar, Messi, and Mbappe thing one time. I just want want to see what it looks like, and then he could go off and do whatever it is that he wants to do. But I, I would think that being on the pitch with Lionel Messi has to improve the quality of your game and your acumen to a degree where just stay for the year and get this game. Just get a little bit of this. And then you can go off and go do whatever it is that you want. You'll be better for it. You'll be much better for it. Exactly. Um, so, yeah.
0: Yeah, I don't really have much to say. Um, I think you guys hit on all the points. I, I fall in the same the same space that you guys do, I think. The first time that we spoke about this, you know, the, the three of us, I had one opinion. And then the next day I had a different opinion. And then the next day I woke up and I had a different opinion. I kept kind of flip-flopping because part of my brain was like looking at it from the business sense. And then part of my brain was looking at it from just the sporting project. And I just wanted to see it. I wanted to see Neymar, Messi and Mbappe. And I think if you're a fan of the game, this is what you want to see. Right. And I think if you don't want to see that, then I don't know what to tell you. But part of me was like, all right, but 180 million, like, I feel like if we take that money while yes, we're losing Mbappe, we're kind of like, damn, we fleeced Real Madrid. Like, you're paying 180, 200 mil for someone that's free in eight in eight months. But I do feel like it was kind of a, a phantom power bit. I think it was a power move for Perez to show Mbappe and his people that, don't give a fuck if, you know, you got eight months left. We got the dough and we want you. We could care less, you know, about how much time you got left. I also think a part of that was, while Perez does think that Real Madrid have a strong, you know, a strong hand, whether it be in January or next summer, you're just then opening the door for other clubs like Liverpool and other people to just mix things up a little bit. Now, while I don't think he has much interest in going to the Premier League, it just it causes problems that you just don't want to have, right? So paying the 180 now may be just worth it over having to deal with all the excess um, next summer. But I also think that part of me, why I feel like this was a phantom bit, is like, if you really wanted Mbappe and you really wanted to make this happen, you could have made that bid three, four weeks in advance, right? You could have given PSG time to go out and, you know, maybe work on the Holland thing or figure out what's good with Lewandowski or, you know, just figure out a backup plan instead of coming the week that, that it closes when now everyone knows PSG has the money. So you're just going to get the PSG tax. You're not going to be able to go and get a player for what they really should be worth. You're just going to then have to spend a good portion of that 180 on a player this summer, which also didn't make sense. So, I see both sides to, to the argument. I see why individuals want the 180. I see why individuals want Mbappe to stay. Um, I'm kind of indifferent. I'm happy he's saying, I don't agree with the whole, all the fans should boo him or listen, let's just, let's just play ball. Let's just hoop. You know what I mean? Let's just do what we got to do and try and try and win a trophy. And to, you know, to James's point or to John's point, I'm sorry, listen, these dudes are all friends. You know what I mean? They're, Nasser and Perez are doing their best Bobby Axelrod impression. They're toasting champagne. They're putting caviar on pizza. You know what I mean? And if you don't know who Bobby Axelrod is, go watch Billions on Showtime. Educate yourself. Learn yourself. Learn yourself. You know what I mean? Um, And (laughs) while I'm plugging Billions, um, listen, one show that I will be watching from here on out, whether it's this upcoming transfer window, or I should say every transfer window, El Chiringuito. Hey, Tick-tock. What? Bro, bro, that was... <laughs> I was tuned in into that show daily yeah. just to see because they were making me laugh. And if you don't speak Spanish, there is a... I think it's El Chiringuito EN or Chiringuito EN Twitter account, which is like clips from their episodes in English. And if you just want pure comedy and some humor, something to make the, the next transfer window a little bit more um, just funny, especially funny when you're... Going. Yeah, when you're like a PSG fan and it can be stressful and you just want to lighten it up a little bit, um, definitely, definitely tune in. So as we move on to, you know, more current things, let's talk about this weekend's game, man. We now have five wins under our belt or five games, five wins feeling good. It hasn't been perfect, right? But at the end of the day, you can only beat who's in front of you and and you can only judge a team off the results they have at that current moment. It's early in the season. Good four nil win this weekend, you know, missing some of our South American players. What was your guys take on just what you've seen from the team so far, obviously, you know, focusing on this weekend, but you know, from what you've seen from these five games, how do you feel? What are your concerns? You know, what are you guys, what are you guys thinking? We'll start with John.
1: Yeah, honestly, I think this match against Claremont was the most complete performance so far of the five wins in my opinion. And it's so funny because i'm not even on twitter right now like i'm out of commission but we working on that i just know psg fans are complaining on twitter about something and after after our we just didn't lo- we didn't win the title last season like you would think you would be happy that we started off five out of five wins you know we we figured it out on the fly but we still getting the dubs but i just know people are complaining so from that perspective it was like i'm I like that they're figuring it out and they're working out the kinks and we don't even have our full monster yet. And we're still winning. So I think from that perspective, Pochettino is getting something out of the guys and, you know, we were talking about maybe some of these guys are trying to play for a spot on the team. But now that the transfer window is closed, we know that these guys are staying. We know Ander is going to be here. We know Paredes and Ghana and all these guys are, are here to stay. So uh, from that perspective, I'm happy to see the team really put together a full performance where we didn't give up a goal. And and we were talking before the match, I was like, yo, this midfield looks nasty. It looks sluggish, just like on paper in terms of Danilo, Ander, and Ghana, those are three workhorse defensive minded midfielders, but they, they play phenomenal, all three of them really. So I, w- I was I was impressed with that performance. And and I think that it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting to see how long it's gonna take messy to get you know to get into the system of what Pochettino wants to do and even if that's going to it's going to take a long time or not i think what has to happen is the defense that's that's my only issue that i've had over these past couple of matches is defensively we we have too many pockets where we're letting in easy goals the transitions aren't good so like i'm i'm not even worried about what Messi and Neymar and those guys are going to do it's going to be interesting to see those guys played in the Champions League matches, but in the league, I need us to lock this thing down. So I was impressed with that performance defensively. Kipembe played a clean match, so I was happy to see that because he's been a little bit all over the place, and I think some of that has to do with Marquinhos being back there, and also like as I mentioned earlier, Donnarumma just having that calming presence in the back. So it was it was a it was a good performance. You know, a team that just got promoted to league and granted but i think overall it was the most complete performance we've seen so far with the with the squad that we have available to us
2: yeah i think well i'll say this i'll say this i feel a lot more confident about this season just in terms of the the league right not like now in europe a i don't know but the league i feel a lot more confident because of the amount of depth that we have. Juan Bernat is still out. Sergio Ramos, we don't know what's going on with him. He's injured like every other day, but he's he's around. He's around. Messi has not played, you know, relatively speaking, played for a few minutes, but we don't really have the team that you're going to see on a week-in, week-out basis. And we're five and up with like pieces that Pochettino has kind of put together. And this has been like the most convincing uh performance thus far against this side and i think there's something to be said and and ty you kind of always mention this just about like the health of your squad and when we're talking about matches in february when we have those kind of like trap matches where it's a we might have a, a a ucl match coming up and then we got like a game right before it like what is that squad going to be that's going to allow your starters to rest and still be in competition in the league. Like that really matters. And we're starting to see that some of these guys that we may have written off are really showing up. Like a few matches back, I'm like, where the hell did Draxel come from? Okay, he's showing out. And quite frankly, this is the Ander Herrera show. Like we are all living in the times of Ander Herrera. I don't know where this <laughs> came from, but man, showing out. And so I think that that, Diallo, who knew he had wheels like that? Yeah. Huh? Where did that come from? And so we're starting to see like all of these guys who we counted on to perform in the past because we just did not have depth are allowed to you know, relax their shoulders a little bit, understanding like, hey, I'm just a squad player. I'm here to take up a few minutes, make a few passes. And you're starting to see the collective sort of gelling together a bit more in, in a very interesting way. Um, you know, y'all, this is y'all man. The jury is still out for me, but I, why not? them will find his way. He will. He will find his way. I'm concerned. I'm, I know he's going to find his way. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be easy on him. I wanted to bring him to the podium. I wanted to. I'm not going to do it. We're going to give him a minute. But just the amount of options that we have in the midfield is pretty insane um and you know what that attack is going to do so I like what we what we saw um against Claremont and I think moving forward once we get this squad like the actual squad I think then I'll be able to give it a fair rating but I'm really liking the depth that I'm seeing because that's going to matter long term as we move through the campaign
0: yeah um you said genie's whose man? No, that's John's man, but no, not John. What are we doing now? No, no, no. No, I like genie. I like genie, but you are right. I think it's just gonna take time. Listen, I haven't I've been a little bit worried if I'm being objective, right? But with that being said, I think I also understood that the genie that everyone was seeing for the Netherlands all summer wasn't the genie that we were gonna get, right? Because he's playing more of an attacking role. That's not the genie you saw with Liverpool. I just think he's trying to find his his space. I think he's trying to find you know, where he fits in, who makes what runs, um, you know, going from playing with Salah and Mane and, you know, Henderson and just the way they move in that Klopp system to going, you know, to where it is now. And it's still going to take time, right? Like, again, like we've said, the team that we're playing with now isn't the team that we're going to have week in and week out. But with that being said, I do think that this weekend's performance, like you both said, has been the most complete. It's been the most promising the defense needs work. I think the first four matches, really shaky, conceding goals. You know, Posh was still tinkering with the system. Um, I don't really know his defensive structure. I'm not too worried about the offensive side of the ball because I think we have the players to figure that out, but I just don't know what they're trying to do, right? I think we're getting caught in transition. You have Hakimi and Diallo pushing too far up with without your you know midfielders covering them when they go up. Um, our midfield is too spaced out at times or was, you know, again, this weekend was, was the most complete, but I haven't been super impressed with Poch. I haven't the dream I was sold or the, the potch ball that I've been sold, um, which I'm really excited for. And I think he has it in him. I just think he still needs time. And I think he's still trying to figure out um, what he wants to do, but listen, man, we, we ride, right. I think I would love to see just a good stretch of games where you have Messi, Neymar and Mbappe and you know the rest of your players i think the the not thing is interesting i don't know if you guys know this but he didn't register he didn't get registered for the the champions league so he's yeah, not sorry, playing man. a single champions league game this year so i don't know whether that's nuno mendez is more of a poch player or he likes what he has in diallo but i don't know if it's an injury thing like was there a setback with his rehab or was the injury just like really bad that they don't even know you know what they're going to get mm-hmm. i think that, that also begs the question of if you weren't going to register him and you were going to go out and sign someone else, like why give him the extension in the first place? I don't, I don't really understand that at the end of the day, you know what I mean? But maybe it was just a pressing thing and they weren't sure that they were going to be able to go into the market and find somebody, but I'm excited. I'm excited. I think um, there's still a lot of work to be done, you know, but with the team, the way it is so far, with the lack of some of the South American players being around, you know, Presco being real shaky to start the season, I think, listen, five wins is the best you can ask for. But there are certain areas of our game that I need to see us improve on. The defensive end, we need to not be so leaky. We need to really, you know, do a better job on set pieces and deliveries from wide areas and from crosses, I think has been has been shaky. And when you look at some of the teams that we're going to come up playing in, in Europe in the Champions League, some of these teams excel at set pieces and delivery from wide areas. You know what I mean? So one thing I also want to see... Which Poch was known for when he was at Spurs was playing that high pressing, intense And I think that that's what one thing I noticed when that first game that we played. Where were we? Where where, where was that game against uh, Monaco? Was that at Brest? Uh, no, Reims. I've never seen PSG press that intensely um, from Neymar to Mbappe to Di Maria like we need to play like that week in and week out to build that stamina and that endurance. Because I remember last year when we played Man City in the semifinal, we did that for the first half, but by the second half or towards the end of the first, we were gassed. Yeah, absolutely gassed. So if that's Pacha's system, we need those guys playing that way week in and week out, which, you know, listen, being objective could be the flip side of playing in league one, right? Like we're usually beating teams so fast or, or so early in the game on some occasions that we don't have the need to turn it on you know we kind of it's like the lebron metaphor right you turn it on when you want you know that hit that switch when you want and that could be a detriment to us so but all in all i think you guys you know hit on a lot of stuff that i was going to say and i think we all kind of feel the same the same way how do you guys feel about this team going into you know the the champions league i guess the first question is how do you feel about our group you know when you look at us man city do you see us topping this group? Do you see us coming second? How do you feel overall, just about our chances against Man City as a whole?
1: Yeah, I I obviously wanted this tie, <laughs> uh, the Man City. I really I really wanted to, um the Man City match because I just wanted to, us to get our face back from how we went out. Like I I think it was like a few weeks ago. I found myself watching those matches because I, I tend to do that. Like I, I like the. To, to, to put myself through that misery for some reason. But, like, it was just, like, we had that first leg in the bag, like, and then we just kind of just fumbled it. But I wanted us to kind of get our face back against Manchester City because if, if we are truly the big dogs, we have to face the big dogs. And I think there's a good component of, of playing those big teams early in the group stages um, just to kind of see where your level is because you don't want to – just run through your group and then you get to the knockout stages and now it's hell and you you don't know what's going on so from that aspect I don't mind it at all but as far as us topping the group we are very capable obviously I don't think that's ever a question with with this roster it's more so how how are we going to how are we going to to play again we don't know Pacha's system from a defensive structure yet so we don't know what what that's going to look like I, I obviously think that we're going to see all of the, our, 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 big stars this Wednesday. I actually, I think we play on Wednesday. So I, I can't wait to see that. I can't wait to see how we set up and how, how, how they look together and if they're really going to gel, you know, how we want them to. So I, I think we have the capability obviously to to win the the, the group, but yo, Manchester city ain't no, they ain't no slouch. Bro, so it's, it's going to be tough and obviously Leipzig as well. And I think, you can't underestimate their capabilities either because they're a very formidable opponent. And um, we'll, we'll see how that goes, but obviously I want us to, to win the group, but it's, it's not going to be easy. I, I don't think, and I also don't think this is a group of death. I think that's one of the other groups. I don't think we're in a group of death or anything like that, but it's, 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 it's going to be tough, but we have the roster, to figure it out, you have the architects and the Neymar and a and a Messi to figure this stuff out, and with experience with experienced players such as Navas or Donnarumma and 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 Marquinhos and these guys, we we should be able to get through this through this group stage. And I, I'm excited because I think this is going to be one of the more fascinating Champions League uh, in a long time. Just if you're looking at the whole board, it's it's gonna it's gonna be fun. So I can't wait. Yeah, and I
0: think the group of death goes to Group B, in my opinion, which is. AC Milan, Atletico Madrid, FC Porto, and Liverpool.
1: Yeah, I think um, that sounds like it.
0: Yeah, that's not an easy group. I think uh, AC Milan is a sleeper. They're doing well in in Serie A right now. You never know what you're going to get from Madrid. You know, defensive, messy, sloppy football, and then Liverpool, obviously. You know, the bounce back, but also FC Porto is is no slouches. Obviously, they're you know they're the weakest team in that group, but. They made it, you know, decently far last year. I think they knocked out Juventus last year, which, you know, maybe that's not saying much, but that's that's definitely a tricky group, and you know, a group where you don't want to you don't want to slip up. Yeah, for sure. I mean, yeah, they knocked out Juventus, but not saying much. You're saying something. <laughs> You're hey, saying they're something. 17th in the table right now. Syria, so yeah. no. spooky, Mass- Mass-
2: oh, nasty oh out. Goodness, free free DiBala, free DiBala, man. Um, <laughs> Yo, you know, I think it's um. I'm gonna be honest. I want my smoke back from from city, man. I'm not even gonna lie to you. I don't, I, I, we need that. You gotta run that back, man. Um, yes, sir. You no, know, we we have. It's weird because like we have all the weapons in the world, but none of this matters if you don't pick up the right gun. You know, and so I think that's going to be up to Posh to figure out. You know, what do you do when when it's deep into the you know extra time and the score is tied and it matters, you know, because we need a point. What do you do then? And I'll be very curious to see his temperament and decision-making when, when that happens. Um, I think uh, like you both said, like RB Leipzig is a really uh, interesting side. Like they also have uh, a brand new coach um, who was like, he played in MLS for a while. Um, This is his first year because he took over from uh, Nagelsmann when he went over to, uh, Byron. And so they're still trying to figure themselves out under a new manager. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see, you know, this will be their first outing with him trying to figure out what that system looks like. I do think we'll obviously get through the group, but it's just, it's not enough to get through, you know, the headlines. If, if we're kind of struggling to figure it out or it's late and we still haven't qualified uh, for the round of 16, we have to be definitively clinically better than everybody else. And I think with PSG, as all of the fans know, it's like you're fighting against your opponent. You're fighting against yourselves. You're fighting against the media. It's it's us literally against everybody. And it's the most ridiculous team in the world, but I love them so much. And I think that we will, we'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. You know, I do think that we finally have the leadership that we need in that locker room. It'll... It'll be interesting. Mbappe's temperament is going to certainly play a factor, um, and that's something that we also saw this past this past week uh, against Claremont. Just like that selfishness that he has at times, that kind of takes over. You can't really play those games when Messi is on the pitch. It's, it's a team sport, and so I think it'll be interesting to see how all of those personalities come out against Brood. I mean, that'll be the first dress rehearsal for that the team that we're supposed to see that we've been kind of putting all our hopes into. Um, So we'll see how they fare. I mean, they they should win. They, They better win. It'll be the dress rehearsal. And I hope that they can start to see some of the gears turning for themselves before the city match, because that's going to be the real test.
0: Again, you know, my, my views are pretty much the same. I think this is honestly, potentially a bigger test for city than it is for us. I think, over the last couple of seasons, we've been in some difficult groups. You know, when you look back to our group with Liverpool, who was in that group? Also, it was mm-hmm. Liverpool, and damn, that came down to like the final game of the season. Why am I drawing a blank right now? Was
1: it Leipzig? Was it Leipzig? No,
0: no, that was last season. That was last season. Okay. Yes, last season was Man United, Leipzig, which was ooh, I remember. It was Liverpool and Napoli. That's Napoli. when that's when Di Maria hit the uh the top bins in like the yeah. 90th minute yeah. to to salvage a point, which we I think that was a point that actually helped us to, yeah. to get through. And that was, I remember that season. Yeah, the same oh season, my God. same season that Liverpool almost didn't make it. It came down to the final game against Napoli. They needed to win. Um, they had a slow start and they ended up um, going on to win it. But listen, I think we've had difficult groups over the years. One of the biggest criticisms for City is that they've always had easy groups, which to be honest, they've struggled with, you know, they've leaked goals. They've struggled. They've kind of limped through the group stage every year. So this is going to be their first year where they're going to have a difficult group and they're going to need to be on their P's and Q's essentially from, from the get-go. So yeah, it all starts Wednesday, man. You know, the 15th it's go time. Um, I'm excited to see what Potch puts out there. Maybe, you know, we can talk about maybe what is, we don't have to go through the whole lineup, but what is our ideal, maybe midfield and and attacking three um, at that point. And, and yeah, man, I think, um, this is a game I'm going to even say that this is a must win game. I'll, I'll say that right at the gate because I feel like okay, you're throwing that out already. Yeah, I do. Because I think with the way the group is set up, you play Man City second. I don't think you can afford to drop points on the road because then you have Man City coming. I think they're coming to Paris for the, the, the second game. Right. And we've already found out that Di Maria is suspended for the first three group stage matches. Right. So that kind of puts, which is good maybe for the long haul, right? With keeping him healthy, keeping him fresh for those knockout stage games. But I mean, could you imagine you drop points, either you lose or draw? And then you have Man City coming, because that's your first or one of your easy matches out of the gate already. Then you have Man City home, you have Man City away. I think in back-to-back games, maybe, you know alternate leipzig in there but you have four difficult games against those two teams and then you end the campaign i want to say with bruges again so you really need to start from the good on the right foot and get those three points hope that man city and leipzig draw or man city you know messes up to give you some breathing room but yeah i don't think psg can really afford to go into belgium and and really play around so with that being said i think we see you know i think that's the first time we actually see the messy neymar and Mbappe starting from minute one and getting a full run together. And if I personally had to choose my my midfield, I think Verratti, gay, in some type of box-to-box, ball-winning, you know, CDM style role. And I think it's really hard to, to not play Ander in this game and not give him on, the man. start. I think Talk he's, about it. come yeah, on, man. I think he's earned it. I think I, I don't even want to say I can't believe I'm saying this because like he's a very mature. Very intelligent player. Um, I think maybe Pasha is just giving him a lot more freedom um, to, you know, kind of put those those line breaking passes and passes over the top um, that he wasn't maybe able to under a more structured Tuchel, you know, tactical system. But it's as much as I want to see Genie succeed at this very moment. It's difficult for me, based on form strictly on form, for me to say that Genie should start in that match. I think um, you know, Ander has to start but we'll see. What about you guys? I mean, do you guys see it as a must win?
1: Yeah. Whether, whether we want, we think it's a must win or not. It's, 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 they they got to win it, bro. Like, and then the fans are going to let everybody know that they have to win it. And if they do lose, it's going to be a whole thing. because that's just how we are. <laughs> but I, I, I think that it is a must win for all the reasons that you stated. We can't afford to, 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 to lose those points going into City and Leipzig potentially whenever those matchups are. Because it, it, we've been we've been in those situations before in, in, in the past Champions League where it came down to the last match day, and I, I hate that. That's just too much anxiety for me. And obviously, I, I think that we, we have the team that's not going to put us in that situation. But, um, yeah, I, I think it's a must win. It's, I mean, they're all must wins, to be quite honest. Like, with this caliber and this level of a team, like, nothing less is expected. And I think you bring up a good point about uh, Pep and, and City being the ones who have more pressure. And it's interesting you say that because I watched they – have, they have a documentary right now on YouTube about this, this last season when they went to the Champions League final. And what Pep was telling them in the locker room prior to the PSG game was that – like, yes, they are the big dogs. Like, they were looking at us like we were the the big dogs, but in the media and everybody else was saying that City is the favorites to win that that tie. But Pep was telling him, and maybe it might have been some reverse psychology thing and trying to get his players up for the match, and it worked. And he, was, he just told him, like, relax. And so I think that that's going to be the mindset that they're always going to come. And now adding Messi, it's going to be even more. He's even going to preach that even more to tell him, like, yo, Y'all are playing one of the best teams in Europe. So it, so I know it's going to be a tough matchup, both of those matches. So I, I, I think that we're going to – we're obviously going to come out of it uh, out of the group. But, yes, it's, it's, a, it's a must win against Club uh, Bruges on Wednesday just so we can set that tone and, and see what we need to do. Uh, as far as the lineups, I agree with you. I, I think Ander is like just based off strictly off of form. He deserves to start. He, he should be there. Um, and obviously Ghana as well, based off of form, should start. And obviously Marco, Varati is is, a, is he's one of the first names who should be on our starting lineup when when he's healthy. Uh, it's interesting to see how Paredes is going to get integrated into that midfield, given just I, I, like I think he expects to play just. You know, if you just kind of watch him and and him obviously playing with Messi with in Argentina, he's probably thinking like he's a shoo-in. But nah, dog, like it's not it's not sweet because Anders balling right now and Ghana is solid, so like it's kind of looking shaky for you if if whenever he gets his chances he doesn't perform, he might be you know the one to take that 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 bench role with Danilo. So we'll see how that goes uh, up front. Obviously, I, I don't know. What what he'll do, but I, I expect to see Messi, Messi, uh, Neymar, and Mbappe. I I, I never like seeing Mbappe in the nine row Like I, it just it just doesn't sit well with me to have to leave him isolated up there. But maybe that changes when you have you know these geniuses such as Neymar and, and and Messi to get him the ball in different areas, and maybe that changes. Who knows? But
0: um, I think he's gonna play a, a strike partnership. Sorry to cut you off. I just no, uh, you're good. PSG hub tweeted i think it was today i think i sent it in the chat but yeah, it was like 5 hours ago yeah yeah so i don't know where they got the information i didn't read the um the the source but the plan is for Poch to play neymar mbappe and messi all together with messi in the access so messi basically in like a number 10 role so my thought is that he's going to play neymar and mbappe up front together in like a strike partnership and then Messi right behind them, which I think makes sense because they have a great relationship already. And then you can kind of just play Messi back there to to pull the strings is what I would think. Um, Because, you know, if you're going to play all three of them up front, I don't see him playing a false nine with Messi in the center. Um, I don't think he would do that um, because we haven't seen it. So I think the easiest thing to do would just be play them up front together, Neymar and Mbappe they had that chemistry and then just let Messi play a familiar role that he's been playing, which is like a center attack mid or a number 10, basically. Yeah. 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 You know, it's funny because I feel like I would
2: be a bit more, a bit more nervous and concerned that this is like Messi's first official like start for PSG. If I didn't just see what he did in Argentina. No, like, he's <laughs> boys nah, he's he's
0: slapping Bruges up. Bruges getting slapped
2: there. up. Yeah, he's ready to go. He's ready to go. Um, <laughs> no rust. Yeah, he's <laughs> no rust. I think we're in a we're in a new age of Messi. I don't. He just dialed it up another notch. I don't. Yeah. I don't understand how that happened. Scary. Um, scary hours. Uh. So yeah, I think to, to use a basketball metaphor, I feel like they just need to see the ball go in the net, and then everything will kind of like subside because you know there's going to be a lot of nerves when it comes to PSG. The players, the fans, the media, everything around PSG is like a ball of nerves. And I think once we get that first goal in the back of the net, things will like subside a bit. Um, I think in terms of that midfield, you know, Ty, you hit it on the head. I couldn't agree more. I do think that if 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 we go crazy and get up on Bruges early, I'm more interested to see what those subs look like. Because then I think you might see a Paredes. And I'd be interested to see where what that role looks like if you decide to keep Messi in, let him get a few reps with Paredes and like kind of see what that looks like. I'd be really interested to see what those midfield adjustments look like if we're up like four goals or something crazy, um, sitting comfortably. Do we play it a bit more defensively, Um, which you can you know probably throw uh, a Paredes in there, but I. You know, I think that the what we've seen, with the exception of the attack, is probably what they're going to go with. Interestingly enough, I do wonder if well, <laughs> Navas will probably start. <laughs> I was going to say, like, <laughs> I, I wonder if the room is going to get that start. Shouts to Diamond but yeah, nah, that's Navas. I think that's I think novice. I think
1: he played this weekend so Navas can play Wednesday. I think that's what happened.
2: Yeah. But did you see him though? When he, he stuck his arms out, he covered half the the go- right. man. Come on.
0: Come on. But yeah, I think yeah, we'll be fine. Least... <laughs> I think we'll be fine. Yeah, listen, this is gonna come back to bite me in the ass, but Club Bruges fans, they're going there to watch their team get lumped up. These boys, <laughs> these boys get smoked. I'm telling you right now, these boys get smoked. These boys are going <laughs> to get smoked. I'm telling you right now, one, I remember we played these dudes like two years ago, right? Or like a couple of years ago in the group stage as well.
1: Yeah, it After, wasn't good for them. I
0: think form. we beat them like four. We them five. Yeah, we gave them yeah. five, five at, home, at their own, at their own crib. Five. And I'm looking at their, their number one in the Belgian league right now. These dudes won three nothing this weekend. They played a team in the bottom half of the table. On the 29th, they lost 6-1. They lost 6-1 to a team like the sixth or seventh place team no the fifth place team
1: they lost 6-1 and they're still top of the league
0: yeah these dudes have they've scored 15 but they've conceded 11 goals these dudes are getting smoked these dudes are getting smoked this is this is basically going to be a practice session for Messi, Neymar and Mbappe Paz is just going to be like yo we got to build this chemistry so you guys go out there and have fun watch this come back and like they score first or it just is way more, <laughs> you know, intense yeah. and, te- and a lot more tension than it there needs to be now that I've said that, but yeah. I'm fully expecting us yeah. to smoke these guys. And if we don't smoke them, then, you know, I'm going to be concerned. I need us to build off of the performance we put this weekend because For sure. I don't believe that club Rouge should be better than any team we've played this season. No, I agree. You know, already. I yeah. I fully expect us to, uh, to get these guys out of here early um as well a quick, so
2: a quick caveat there right uh, not a caveat but like a, an anecdote is um the last time we played club rouge mbappe scored a hat trick and we had an attacking front of a Di and maria neymar did not play
0: i think we'll be okay if i had to guess it's gonna get spooky it's gonna get <laughs> real spooky bro i fully expect to get spooky but just for context as well um, as I pull this up right here, the, the schedule, just so that, you know, the listeners know, and, and we know kind of what this looks like. So we play club bruges on the road. First game, we are home against man city for our second match. Then we are home again against Leipzig. So back-to-back home games, then we are away at Leipzig. So we played Leipzig back-to-back then after the second Leipzig match, we are away in uh, Manchester, and then we end at home against Club Bruges. So our two easy games are the bookends of our our group stage campaign. Those four games in between are going to be really where everything is kind of decided, and that's why I say that we need to, you know, open the campaign with those with those three points. So I'm excited. I'm sure everyone else is excited as well. Um, it's going to be fun. I'm happy for the Champions League to be back. So. Thoroughly anxiously waiting for for Wednesday, but hoping it goes well. And, and let's see, man. I'm sure that we'll have a lot to talk about Wednesday afternoon. I know we'll all be patiently watching. Cleared our schedules, made sure we made some time to watch the game. So it'll be exciting. All right. So as we wrap up, you know, things related to PSG. One of the things that we're really excited to do here at 24th and Park is bring you guys a segment, you know, or a portion of the podcast where we really just touch on, you know, all the major storylines across Europe, talk about what's going on in different leagues, talk about, you know, the exciting matches we watched, you know, in other groups across the Champions League. So, you know, this week, I think some of the things that we've been talking about is some of the recent comments made by Klopp. And James, I know one thing that you had mentioned, Klopp's comments, you know, the World Cup moving potentially to every two years. You know, what are your guys' thoughts on the frequency, right, of, of all these Um, international tournaments. I know we've seen a lot of individuals get hurt already. Do we feel like these schedules are too congested? Do we feel like FIFA and UEFA are just looking for more ways to make money and the players and and club football is the one who are, you know, walking out with the black eye on this essentially.
2: Yeah, man. I think that uh, FIFA is seeing all of the eyes and all of the money that can potentially be made with a lot of these uh, uh, global events and uh, they're looking their chops You know, FIFA is a business. You can feel how we want to feel about that business, but it is a business um, of sorts. And so, you know, I think Klopp hit it on the head and he was just like, you know, nobody's more important than the players. And if you open the gates to a European competition every year, you can assume that that's also going to have ramifications for things like Copa America as well, um, as well as the Euros. Like everyone's going to want to get a piece of the action um, and that is to the detriment of the players. It's bad enough. I mean, we've seen what happened this past season with uh, COVID affecting the scheduling and how that also affected the players in terms of their health and quality of play. And so imagine the best in the world having to go off and play uh, these world competitions every damn year. Like, no. And the, funny enough, we're talking about UEFA uh, uh, Alexander Cerf, uh, was his name, Seferin, he uh, mentioned that if FIFA were to go ahead with these plans of a World Cup every two years, uh, that the UEFA players are going to boycott the uh, World Cup, you know, so I think even UEFA is kind of taking a stand and saying hey this is probably not, not the best case scenario. Um, but we, we kind of knew this, this would come down the pipe. I mean, even with them trying to extend the world cup to include more teams, like it's a money grab, you know, it's a money grab. And we saw the fanfare for the euros this year and how, you know, how much uh, visibility and attention and, you know, um, uh, you know, attendance that, that, that event received. And so, you know, it's no wonder that they want to capitalize on that even more. Um, but the, it takes away from just the, the sport of the world cup. Every four years we come to this point where it's like, okay, who is the best in the world? And I think it kind of cheapens it a little bit to, you know, try to uh, cut that down to every two years, you know, and then you'll have like the, the, the fans will say, well, yeah, you won a world cup, but it's not the real one, you know? So you have that whole vibe there as well. Uh, You know, you have to care about these players, man. This is not these guys already play a ridiculous amount of games just as a just as a sport in general. You know, there's a lot of miles on their legs. And so you'll end up depreciating the value of the domestic leagues because these guys will be cramping up. They'll be more injured. Like it's not a good idea. You know, I do think that these guys need a bit more of a break you know, which I kind of go back and forth about because I'm a fan. Like, I want to see y'all play, like, get out there. But at the same time, if it's going to depreciate the quality of play, y'all need to take y'all rest and take all the time that you need.
0: Uh, so, yeah. It's too much congestion, man. This, this is a lot of, it's a lot of games. You know, I think PSG almost came out of this most recent international break down bad. I'm not sure if you guys watched one of the Messi games, Argentina games. My man almost got his leg snapped by, like, a horrific challenge. Yeah. Barati came back with, like, discomfort in his knee. And Mbappe left France with, you know, a thigh problem or a calf problem as well. So it's just it's too many matches, you know, in, in my opinion. I don't understand why, like, we have to play all these World Cup qualifiers and why they, they need to be played, like, so early in the season. Like, we just finished the Euros. FIFA knows that the season is just starting. Like, why do these matches need to be played now? You know what I mean? Um, I don't understand it personally. You know, we're not even talking about the World Cup 2022, which is going to be in the middle of the season. Like, I'm still waiting to see how that works. You know what I mean? Like, are we just going to lose players? Like, are the domestic leagues going to continue? Is there going to be a timeout? That can be a conversation for obviously another time, but...
1: Yeah, it's... uh I think it's something, honestly... Obviously, I think it's, it's a money grab like everyone's saying, but... We're, we're seeing this in other leagues and, and like in the NBA, they did the, the they added the, the play-in matches, obviously. That's more games to play. Um, obviously, the, the ratings did well because that first play-in match, I believe it was the Lakers. And the uh, Golden State, I believe, or the somewhere. Warriors, the, the wa- yeah, Ron hit that shot. Yeah, that was great entertainment. Yeah, you know, so they got what they needed out of that. And then in the NFL, they added another game. Like they're playing, I believe, is seventeen matches uh, games now. So it's it's and it's all for money. It's all for money. So it's just like they they have to they have to consider the the health of these players. It's just because, like, if, if you're doing it for money, you ain't going to get that money if your big stars ain't there. So it's kind of hustling backwards in a way if, but they obviously they're not thinking about it from that perspective. And I read somewhere where like 95% of FIFA's like income is, is in that four year cycle. So you want to do it every two years to get to double that income. Obviously um, I've read some other things where people are mentioning that it's like, it's an opportunity to give other countries a chance to get into the world cup because a lot of countries miss out on world cups and they have to wait every four years. Well, it's like, all right, well just get better or play better in your, in your qualifiers and, yeah, and get, and get into the world cup. Like that's not a good enough reason that, you know, to even mention that, you know, exactly. to try to get these people into to get these countries into the world cup. It's, it's really unnecessary. Um, and so I, I don't, I don't know, man, it's, we, we all know what this is about uh I don't know if 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 it's gonna happen obviously with UEFA claiming to boycott it that that at least lets them know that it ain't gonna be easy to try to to, to put it through but yeah it's all all the way around it's it's a bad deal for the players because that's really who it's about it's for the players it's a bad deal for them for the fans like I, I'm I'm cool on a lot I, I didn't even watch any international matches this past year you know this past break it's just like yeah it's, it's whatever like i'll watch it if it's on but i'm not going to like i would during like a domestic match or or you know a league yeah. match so it's just yeah it's we know what this is
2: about i did i will say that i, I did watch a bit of the the italy game that's our boy moza keen come back home brother Come back home. He scored. <laughs> he scored a brace. He was looking real good. He was looking real good. Come back home. We miss you. Good for him, man. We miss you, man. We got we got a striking role coming off the bench for you. Come on back home, brother. Is he on a loan in UVA or
1: did he go there permanently?
0: No, nah, he's on a loan, but more more just crazy business, man. Like I don't understand how Juventus like what they have over other clubs, but for example, the Locatelli deal it's a two-year loan with a guaranteed buy option for 30 mil paid over the course of like two seasons, which was, which is pennies. When you think about like the the euros he had, then from what I heard as well, Keane is also a two-year loan with a 25 or $30 million fee buyout fee, which is this. just like, I'm on, un- I don't understand how Huve gets teams to accept these like, Terrible deals. Um, but again, maybe it's just the PSG tax because um, I think Everton were asking PSG for like 40 or 50 mil to, to get Moise Kean back. And they didn't want to do a loan with us. We yeah. tried to do a loan, and um, Rafa Benitez was like, nah, he's part of my plans. You can buy him straight out or you can't have him at all. We're not doing a loan. But yet, Juve comes in. But with that being said, that could also be his preference. He's Italian. You know, I know his dad had always mentioned that he there was an interest in him going back to play in Italy one day. So, you know, maybe he pushed a little bit harder. You know, I know he wanted to come back to PSG, but maybe, you know, the desire to go back to Italy was um, was a little bit stronger. But whatever it is, I wish him the uh, I wish him the best man. One one thing for certain, he did not want to go back to Everton. (laughs) No, no that was
1: clear. That was clear.
0: Awesome. So with American football coming back this weekend, I'll be honest. I did not have a chance to watch too many games. You know, I, was, I watched a lot of college football this weekend. i caught a couple of Prem games, but I think, you know, one game that we have to talk about is Ronaldo's returns, Old Trafford. Did you guys get a chance to watch that? Oh, yeah. um, what did you, what did you think? I know what they won four one, right? Four one, four two. I think it was.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was a, a wild game at the beginning. It was very back and forth and, my guy Alan saint Maximam was giving them hell. <laughs> he was giving them hell like the first like 20 minutes of the match, but then when United kind of settled in and it just it just they just took off on them. And obviously the first Ronaldo goal was a tap in cuz he's a tap in king. <laughs> but the second goal I thought was was a beautiful pass from Luke Shaw to to and then like Ronaldo's first touch to kind of just ease it on to the left foot. And, and, that, and that was all she wrote. And I think, what well, what I was most fascinated by was what he put on Instagram uh, after that match. He was talking about how, like, the, the Old Trafford is called the Theater of Dreams. And it's like, it's like this special place where special things happen. And like just, I totally believe that's truly how he felt. So I thought that was cool to see. Um, but I think, like, we were kind of up in the air to see, like, how would Ronaldo fit in this team? We saw it. Like he's gonna be an integral part of their of their attack. Everything with United starts with Bruno and Pogba. Like if you can take them out the game, you can stop United. But Newcastle were not able to do that, and they just had a they had a field field day with them. So uh, it it was it was it was a cool story. It's like it's cool. It's like very poetic. Like he came back and scored a brace on his return, and like it's cool. But I still think Chelsea is the big dogs in that league.
0: But we'll get to that. Yeah, that was going to be my next question, from a prem perspective as well as a UCL perspective. How much of a difference does Ronaldo make? You know, um, it's so because it like when we we
2: talk about like Messi and we talk about um, Ronaldo, like Messi just defies the laws of gravity. Like when you see him, it's like I have no idea how that just happened. <laughs> I can't process that. And I got to bow down. Ronaldo just breaks you with his will to the point where it's like, as long as he's there, I believe he's going to find a way. And I believe, and it just, the duality between how, how they trap you as a fan is just so interesting to watch. And so, you know, that, that match was, you know, him just reminding everybody of what time it was. Um, And obviously the first goal was a tap in, but, just a build up play in the second in the second goal with Luke Shaw getting on the ball like <laughs> he was he was sprinting so hard yeah. because he knew yeah. and i think having that level of reassurance in goal is going to be a difference maker for united this season um on top of like sancho you know finding his way i think pogba is co- obviously committed and um looks fresh Shout to Jesse Lingard. Welcome back. He had a hell of a week. He went crazy uh, for England. And then he came back and scored um, he scored a goal in uh an extra time in the in the Newcastle match. But he he looked a lot more confident as well. I think he also posted something about Ronaldo. So just imagine being a kid playing with your idol. Like. Ronaldo that has to do something for the confidence in the locker room overall. And just that general leadership, like you can tell Ronaldo is the guy that cracks the whip. He don't play no games. And so I, I do, I don't, I don't know if I have them over Chelsea because Chelsea's just a, I mean, y'all seen it.
1: Y'all seen it. We've seen it. Yeah.
2: It's just different. It's just different. And I, I, I but I do have them. A lot higher, and y'all know what's gonna happen in that round of 16. Yeah, I'm not gonna say it, but y'all y'all know what to, it's smoke show. It, it's gonna happen. We're gonna get them in the round of 16 for sure. You know it. Wait, Where know who? Say, it's <laughs> United. Oh, yeah, no, for sure. The the Messi, okay. <laughs> whether, whether it's round of 16 or and, it's and, the and quarterfinals not, that's coming.
1: Not for anything else, but to put
2: Ronaldo and Messi oh, yeah. against each other. Oh, yeah. And I can't wait for it, but I, I do think. I mean, this transfer window has been something. I've never seen anything like it. I'd ne- Ronaldo was going to City. And then I closed my eyes and woke up and he had on red and I was confused. And so and Harry Kane <laughs> still in Spurs. Hey, oh, man, man. Pray I, for I, that man. Pray for him, you know. I, but I, I do think that he gives them a very unique dynamic um, and one that will allow them to go very far this campaign. Um I had them as a mid-table team. I got them finishing uh, top three, four depending let's see what the season holds but, but
1: um you know you know what's interesting about Ronaldo those like like you said like that captivating like he's always delivering I was watching the pre the pre-match the hype like of Rebecca Lowe and the two Robbies by the way Rebecca Lowe is like the best at her job like at, say that at, at that commentary say like that hosting the soccer shows she's the best at that but like they were hyping him up the whole time. I'm like, watch him like not even score. And it was just like interesting just to see like the whole pre-show was based off Ronaldo return. And then he delivers. It's just like you don't get that a lot with a lot of superstars. And and, and that's why he is in the level he is. And I think that's 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 an interesting point for me. just, like even when you think like last season at Juve, he was looking done. He was looking like, all right, he's he's deteriorating a little bit and then he comes in at quote unquote the one of the toughest leagues in in Europe and it's just it's cake for him like and even it was, it was a tapping we call it a tapping king but for him to be in that position like he does that all the time i remember in the champions league against psg he scored a goal oh, like off off his knee like he was just there and it just went in and it's just like so he's a, he's a special talent and i think he does put them like, right there with, with Liverpool and, and City and, and the other big dogs.
2: Man, you saw what he did. In, um There's a few Champions Leagues ago against Juve and just that bicycle kick. Like, and then walked over to the stands and, and people applauded. just had to get up. You just had to bend your knee, you, you know? To, and I, I think that the, the, the level of showmanship that, that he has, the level of, like, yeah. clinicalness that... You know, you can't help but believe. I think that, again, I think that that lifts the spirits of the entire team. Yeah. You know, I've always said, like, there's a, there's a Paul Pogba who is a domestic Paul Pogba, and there's the international Paul Pogba. And I love international Paul Pogba. Just can't seem to figure it out domestically. I think that changes the season. Yeah, he looked good Sunday. He yeah. looked like France yeah. Pogba.
0: Yeah. Yeah. He's having a he's having a good season, and I agree. I think there are certain players, you can talk about the Messi's and the, the Ronaldo's who just changed the dynamic, right? And I think the beauty of that situation is that Ronaldo doesn't need to be who he was years ago. I think what Man United really were missing were, was that goal scorer, right? So if he can be that tap-in merchant for them, um, that does change the, the, the dynamic, right? You have Pogba, Bruno, Sanchez – I mean, Sancho, sorry – on the, on the wing, you have Greenwood and Rashford when he comes back from injury and gets healthy. You know, I think that they their defense is still a little suspect, but no, it, it definitely makes them a better team, um, no doubt about it. I don't think you can add a Ronaldo or a Messi to any team and say that it doesn't, you know, make them better. Does not make them better than Chelsea? I don't know. You know, we'll, we'll see. But what I can say for sure is that, you know, this transfer window for a lot of teams and just the – the roller coaster it's been, you know, for PSG, for Man United, for, you know, the whole Tottenham, Harry Kane situation has definitely made, oh, Chelsea as well has definitely made the, the champions league, the premier league um, must see TV. So, you know, as we start this journey and, and start, you know, these episodes together, it's definitely going to be fun. There's going to be a lot of fun games to watch and yeah, man, like Wednesday can't come, uh, can't come soon enough. So I'll say, you know, with that, you know, I think it's, it's time to wrap it up for the week. We're excited. You know, if you sat here for this time and and listened to us ramble about football, we appreciate you. Make sure you subscribe, make sure you tune in. Um, we're really excited to bring you guys this new content and, um, and just spend time with you guys man, and talk about football, talk about what's going on. So we look forward to bringing you more stuff and make sure you go and follow the other PSG shows as well. And, you know, if you guys don't have any more, you know, final remarks. Yeah, man, I,
2: you know, definitely appreciate, you know, the opportunity to be here and, and talk about this this team I love. I'm very excited uh, to officially, officially begin uh, the campaign um, against Club Bruges, um, <laughs> you know, next week. This is where it really starts. And I'm, you know, especially excited to take this journey with you fellas. You know, this is a long time coming, certainly a labor of love um and you know i know we're gonna we're gonna grow we're gonna learn and we're gonna become you know a, a very formidable podcast you know i'm competitive with everything i do so uh and yeah shout out to ed by the way shout out to ed shout out to ed always a real yeah. one yes sir yeah, uh, ed,
0: thank you for letting us do this man we appreciate it
2: for sure yeah uh you can follow me on it's at on twitter at it's uh, underscore jcj. Send you love. Uh, don't send no hate, man. Please. It's, it's all love. This is a loving season. Yeah, man. Uh same thing, man. It's 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 an
1: honor to be on this platform with you gentlemen. And I'm happy to be back on doing the pod 24th and park. This is something that, you know, very near and dear. So it's like it's only right. And we got our blessings from from my brother Eddie. Shout out to my brother Eddie uh we got our blessings from him to to go ahead and and continue with this podcast and no better two two minds to do it with so i appreciate you gentlemen and um yeah i can't wait to rock out and again salute salute to ed always always a real one gave me my first opportunity to, to get my journalism off on the psg talk website so yeah ed is a real one i appreciate you but yeah we we here man alive alive and well in the flesh
0: For sure always again i think uh, we've all said it but salute to ed thank you for letting us you know continue to grow the brand and and take something that you started and attach our name to it as well and and trust us with this we do appreciate it you can follow me at ty pound sign on twitter but also you know the best place to follow us is at 24th and park um you know we're going to be giving you guys a preview of the content the shows giving you know the audience and the PSG fans the opportunity to let us know what they want us to talk about and just an opportunity for us to to engage with you guys so we're excited on that note be safe be well and peace out